I still have to do my taxes, so we can't go on too long. <laughs> Today's the <a> deadline. <laughs> you should say that in the video, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. Said, yeah. <laughs> we can't do, we can't do a super long episode today because yeah. Anthony has to do his taxes still <laughs> here in <Yeah>. America. <laughs> so it's gonna be a week later now. So I hope he did his taxes when yeah. this video comes out. Maybe I'll just include this on it right before the intro. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Tommy Talk. My name is Juan. This is much your Anthony. It's a judo podcast for judo players by two judo players. So, Anthony, <laughs> we just talked about right now. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> well, like I may, I, I might have, inc- I might include it in the intro, but I have to do my taxes, and it's the deadlines today, so I have to go and the do it. The deadlines tomorrow, the 18th. Yeah. So basically, right. you have to get it in by tonight, and yeah. um, I, I don't know, like. You you know, with like COVID and stuff, they extended the deadline last year. Yeah. And you last year also got a, got an extension, didn't you? Yeah. I got, I had to file extension because there was something else with my wife's company giving her stocks and stuff. So that was more complicated, but we don't have that excuse this year. This year, I just, I was just like, Oh, it's going to be like last year. They're going to extend the deadline, but no, they didn't. So this year (laughs) I have to do that. Um, I have a guy coming over tomorrow to install the dishwasher so i have to empty out the i have i have like drawers in the mm-hmm. spot that's for the dishwasher so i need to empty those out and find a place for all the stuff in there mm-hmm. um and i was gonna go for a run with my dog so i haven't ran in a while and my knee's been feeling better so i'm gonna go go for a run and what else do i have to do i, I just have a lot of stuff to do but <laughs> let's get the show let's get the show on the road let's do this if anybody's, <laughs> anybody's interested Anthony's one of those guys that also does in America. He does his own taxes. He doesn't go to a guy. doesn't go to a place. I did. I did find a guy last year because of the stock, the stock stuff. And then we bought a house and all that stuff. So it's like (laughs) complicated. Yeah. Oh my God, Anthony, you was freaking laugh. I go to a guy and I get mine done early because I'm always very paranoid about that stuff. I'm always like, I just want to get it done. I want to get it done as soon as possible. You know why I don't pay, I don't want to pay someone to do it because Mm -hmm. you give them all the stuff. And then in the end, they ask you a bunch of questions that you have to respond to them anyway. And then you have to um, review it yourself. So I'm like, why well, I might as well just do it myself. If I don't have, if I'm just inputting the numbers on the forms, mm-hmm. I might as well do it myself. And I did it for like eight years before I found it. Like last year was the first time I hired someone to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I didn't have these questions about the stocks and all that stuff or getting married or like, or if you move states, you know, you have half a year in this state and a half a year in another state, then you have to file yeah. the state differently. Like unless oh you have God, a special yeah. unless you have a special circumstance like that, I would mm-hmm. not hire someone to do it. It was like six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks? Yeah, for, be, because of the the special circumstances that oh my god that we were doing. I I do feel you on the other state stuff because a long, long time ago. Okay, so when I worked on King Kong. Okay, it's not one dropping names and stuff again. Oh, oh, King Kong just fell in my pocket right now. So, so when I worked on King Kong, they did reshoots here in LA, but most of it was filmed in Hawaii. So people mm-hmm. know, know that King Kong, the, the, um, when the King Kong versus Godzilla, the original King Kong they made or the one they made for that series. So that was mostly filmed in, in, uh, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So when I, even though I worked the show, I worked the movie here in LA, we worked at an um, um, Ontario airport. We did the little, um, we did the boat scene there and the scene when uh, Samuel Jackson's doing the huge 
rainstorm. He's getting a, getting a phone call that he has to go for a special mission. I'm there in the rain running back and forth. And I'm also mm-hmm. in the, the boat scene. You may see me for a split second if you look really hard. But okay, so their office was in Hawaii. So when I got my paycheck, it was weird because my paycheck was from Los Angeles, but the office address was in uh, Hawaii. Oh. When I did my taxes, <laughs> when I did my taxes, they're like, uh, Mr. Rodriguez, did you work in Hawaii? And I was like, no, I didn't work in Hawaii. Just the office yep. <laughs> to the company was in Hawaii, but I still had to do some weird form Just, thing to yeah, pay so some tax, that, that's some why Hawaiian tax. <laughs> that's why you're paying. That's why you're, you, I was going to say like another exception is if you're a contractor, like mm-hmm. I have a 1099, right? Not, uh, no, not 1099, whatever. I'm W2. I have a W2. That's what I yeah. have. So usually I just go online, punch in the numbers from a W2, and then pay uh, the bank interest, whatever interest forms. And my stu- at, at the time, student loans, whatever interest. And then that's it. And then you <laughs> you get a return. But if you have a con- like a freelancing contracting work, you have all these paperwork and then... And I used to do uh, contracting for another, some a side job and... I'd have to fly and they would, um, depending on where your flight departed, if you do work on the plane and you charge the hours, if okay. you, you know what I'm saying? If you go across states, like on the plane, it's, it just I worked me nuts. in Nevada, Arizona, Texas. <laughs> not, not like where you're flying, but it's like something about like the destination versus like, like if you, let's say your office is in DC, which is where mine was. And then you're flying to like New York, then you would like bill it on DC, I think. But then you fly it the other way around, you would bill it in New York. It's weird. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, yeah. So you have special circumstances like that, or you have a lot of stocks or uh, a lot of deductions. Cause the, well, another part of the accountant's job is to find the maximum, maximize your deductions for you. Right. Uh-huh. But if you don't have like, kids, dependents, taking care of your parents that are living with you, um, all these deductions. And it's very simple. Like, why would you pay someone to do it? Yep. And that's, that's Anthony's theory how, about how much himself. do you pay? So how much do you pay for your, your account uh, every year? That's a non-disclosable agreement right there. Can I tell you? You can't tell me the mad. fees, the fees <laughs> the for fees, an account. It comes it's out usually to, around a hundred or 120 no, for average, average person, right? Well, that's the thing. Oh, okay. So this is for international. I'm sorry. This is stimulating judo talk right now. This is dumb American tax talk. Most people only work one job, sometimes two jobs and a third job sometimes and stuff. Me as a working actor, I will get on average minimum 10 W2s, 10 or more. And in America, you'll get charged usually average. If you go to like an America H&R Block or uh, mm-hmm. Jackson Hewitt or something, they'll charge you like 50, 60 bucks per W-2. Okay, that's why, I, that's why I was asking, yeah. Yeah, if I was to go there, I would get charged like six, $700 or something with yeah. my wife's and mine. So I actually go to an accountant that understands what my stuff is and he gives and he charges us about, um, I think, 250 that's okay, that sounds good. Yeah, so I guess 600 for the scenario. I Because at first when I saw 600, I was like, holy crap. But yeah. then I realized we did ask him a lot of questions that had some weird scenarios. Plus we were, but, it was last minute. So we told him, can you get this done by like two in two days? Like, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, same like Anthony, like I have stocks, I have bonds, I have cryptocurrency now. I have all these other investment things. So that's another yeah, reason I, I'm not. I, I'm not doing crypto because I did the taxes for the crypto one year and I'm like, I'm never ever doing this again. Like, so you just sold all your crypto off. You're like, I'm done with crypto. Most, I'm out. Most I'm of out. it. I, I sold most of it and I only have a little bit left. Yeah. You only have to pay if you pull out, really. 
Were you pulling money out all the time, Anthony? See, I don't trust Bitcoin, so uh-huh. I don't own any Bitcoin. But in order to get the other uh, currencies, you have to sell, like, buy Bitcoin and then convert the Bitcoins into that. And for uh-huh. each transaction, you have to write <laughs> write the record down of the price for that day. Mm-hmm. So now I learned <laughs> I know, my lesson. Yeah, that's funny. I remember you talking about that. Was it like a year or two ago? And you're just like, I don't remember when I bought the price set. I don't remember how much I got it for. And I'm like, you don't, you don't write that down. Not, to buy it. <laughs> not at the time when you remember when I bought it. Crypto was this is like like ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> like I bought mine is, like five years ago or something. This is before they started regulating um mm-hmm. the stuff so yeah it's not like the stock market where you can just go online and be like what was the price of like the stock at this time at this day no the crypto the cryptocurrency market was so brand new back then and a lot of people didn't actually didn't pay taxes at the time because it wasn't oh, no. regulated yeah. so i didn't keep track of that shit <laughs> i always write because i'm a i always like to know what my profit margin is so i always write down what i buy it at and i do the math on that i, I just you know I roughly or down i roughly remember the how much i spent on it in my head and what i bought uh, it at but you asked right. me for exact price like what to the cent i don't know that <laughs> all right all right let's get off this topic all right people are right. bored already let's talk about taxes and crypto and doing dumb stuff we're not even sponsored by no crypto anything i'm not gonna name any of them right now give them some free advertisement <laughs> You know, we live in Los Angeles, so you know the oh Staples. Center, my cousin visited. He was like, "Hey, I'm at Staples." Crypto I'm arena. like, "Do you mean you're at the Crypto.com Arena?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Crypto.com Arena." <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, as most people, if you're a regular listener, you know that last week we celebrated our two-year anniversary, 50th episode, <laughs> and um, we had some questions, we had some feedback and stuff. We had uh, actually three really good questions that we picked out from people. Mm-hmm. One about grappling. One about back patches we talked about that and the other one was um, it wasn't a it wasn't a question it was more like a, a comment yeah yeah comment but they're, they're just stuff that we like so we're to show our appreciation to our fans that, that, that do listen to us and do support us we're going to answer some questions today normally we put them to the side and we'll answer them in, in some things but let's answer their first so yeah anthony so which question do i answer first let's go with the comment not the question okay. first let's so, go with the comment, uh, gerard our longtime listener from northern ireland um mm-hmm sent us a message says hey guys still listening and loving the show on your latest edition you spoke about having a back patch if you're called up to for international duty judo northern ireland offer back patches to all members they are a different design to our international players but are a good funding stream for our smaller federation i've included a link to have uh for you to have a look to see it's the Northern Ireland Judo uh, Federation website, basically. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work. Remember to slap the mat. Yep. Thank so, you. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, Gerard is like, I think our first comment email was from Gerard many years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're glad that he's still listening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in one of our episodes, we actually briefly mentioned the back patches. Um, I know Sawtell and 510 Judo up in the Bay. Um, so they okay, both so have their club back patches. So let's make this clear then. So most of the time you see some of the back patches, I mean, international back patch that they're international competitor, that they fight for whatever country that they represent in an international competitions. Um, most of the time you see that you think that they're a very serious player because they go to international competitions. You're like, oh, they go to Pan Ams or Europe or Canadian Open, Canada, Canadian Open, the Canada Open, whatever open it was, camera right now. But um, so that's the main one you see. In the U.S., they do also offer a back patch if you go compete at USA at the USA USA Judo Nationals. They offer a back patch there, mm-hmm. and um, Winter Nationals. Winter Nationals. 
which used to be the USJ, USJF Winter Nationals. Now it's known as the Nanka Nationals, just change mm-hmm. your name. But they sell backpatches there. You get their symbol for that year, it says your name on it, and you get your name put on it. It's really it's nice. kind of like a souvenir t-shirt, you know, when you go, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like what it is. Yeah. And as we said before, like Anthony was talking about that, some dojos also do for a revenue stream that they will make backpatches for their students like here in la uh sautel judo does that uh was it 510 510 up in the bay area yeah up in the bay do and i've seen other dojos too so it is something that other dojos do as um as a cool thing a long long time ago not for long maybe five years ago or more i looked into it through golden tiger that was the martial arts supply store we used to use the most because it was super close to us it was here in koreatown and i had to get a huge one i had to get a huge number made Cause I wanted to get like maybe 50 million. They're like, Oh, you need to get number was like bigger than that. Yeah. So like, I thought 50 be enough that like, I had to get a bigger number, number than that. And they had a thing where, God, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I couldn't think it would just be the back patch, but you couldn't get your name put on it. It would just be like a simple back patch, but of you, course. Couldn't get, yeah, yeah. you couldn't get your name put on it. Or if I had to get, I had to get like 50 names put on it at one time or something. <laughs> So I dropped it. I, I looked into it. It was like too expensive, too complicated. I was like, forget it. But Anthony was saying that in the link. How much was in the link that the guest sent to us? So I think the ones that everyone goes to is mybackpatch.com, my back, my back number, mybacknumber.com. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like starting at nine euros and goes up to like 16 euros, I guess, if you want custom designs or something. So it's mm-hmm. almost one for one. So it's like under 20 bucks per patch. Okay. Yeah. How much would the shipping cost to America? I, I don't know. It can't be that much. Just a freaking, you roll it up into like a tube, like <laughs> roll it into a tube. Yeah. Well, that's actually a funny story about that. So Anthony bought me a new black belt for Christmas. He got me black belt from Japan. It came from a DHL sent it to, it got mailed over by DHL yep. and I got it in this small little yellow bag. Like probably like maybe the size yeah. of a fist. It was just rolled, not even yep. rolled up. It was like folded up into yep. it. And I was like, Oh, this I felt that I was like this must be my belt. It's just really funny. <laughs> but the the buybacknumber.com is where you get the IJF one. It's the official back number for IJF, EJ, and European Judo Union competitions, is what it says. Mm. And you can also create your own design and stuff. But um, mm. yeah, I mean I, I we talked about it briefly, but I feel like it's nice to have a backpatch for local tournaments if you compete pretty often, because then mm-hmm. people will see like you ever been in a tournament where it's like, where's where's John Doe? Where's John Doe? Like they're like, yeah. it's your turn. And like when everyone has a back number, you can just like, hey, it's your turn. You just grab them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, oh, you're from that club. You know where your, your club teammate is or your sensei. I need to go talk to him for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a good idea to have a, a, a back patch. I think if you compete pretty often, but on the other hand, um, I've had people in the past ask me like, Oh, do you think it's okay? If, like, you know how Koreans and, and in some cases, some um, Latin American country people, they like to represent their own country. Um, but he's American. My friend's Korean, but he's American. And he's like, you think it's okay for me to get a back patch with Korea on the back? And I'm like, <laughs> No, <laughs> dude, that is a total Latino thing right there. Like that is that's yeah. Latinos would absolutely do. Like every Latino would be like, guy like Mexico, Chile, Colombia. Yeah, I'm like, I you're could not, totally see Latinos oh, doing that. You're not on the Korean. You're not Korean 
I like, I mean, yes, you can probably get it, but you you don't compete for Korea. So why would you yeah. get that back patch on, on your, on the back? And also, um, I feel like you have to earn your way to a back patch, you know, because mm-hmm. there's, there's like a joke on the internet where people are like, Oh, if you see, if you see a judoka with a back patch, you got you're in for a ride, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like you kind of have your kind of earn your way into it. Um, but I, I think that the club, the club back patch is uh, a good middle ground, I think versus mm-hmm. getting like a one that looks like an IJF. Backpatch. So that would suck. You get this really cool IGF official looking back patch. Yep. You get on the mat, you get thrown in five seconds. Oh no. Yeah, I don't want, like, if I go visit a, a club, I don't want want to be a target. You know, it's like a target yeah. on your back. Of so. course. It's like when you go to a new club, you're in your black belt sometimes. You're like, oh, there's a new yeah. black belt. I want to try that black belt out. Yeah. But to me, so there's two things with me, okay? One, I wouldn't want to get a back patch that didn't have my name on it. Mm-hmm. Unless it was a club one. If it was, I guess if it was a club one, like saying Hollywood judo on there and had the Hollywood judo symbol on there and it says that's, Hollywood. But that's what the chest patch is for, not the back patch. I, no, I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I get it. I understand. Like I'm saying, I guess, but if it doesn't say Juan, it doesn't say Jay Rodriguez on there, I wouldn't really be that interested in it. You know, that's that's my opinion. Two, now a pro to get a back patch. And everyone knows if you fought someone that has a back patch, I like doing, I'm going to give away the secret right now. I like doing a lot of back grabbing throws. I kind of crushing somebody mm-hmm. getting their back to get a really deep throw if someone has a back patch on it's easier to grab you think i think it's harder to grab because that, that fake silk so it's like i'm just slipping off every time i'm trying to grab it well i guess it depends on the build like you know some big guys like mm-hmm. the other the other one we have big one <laughs> when if he had a back patch it would be easier to grab and yeah Char- charles uh has a back patch right he wears all the yeah. time i found it easier to grab when he wears his back patch Really, I have yeah. a hard. See, that's the thing. I find it harder to grab if someone has a back patch on personally. But that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe it's up to your grip, maybe or like how you think. Of, yeah, know the, you know the out. double weave when it's tight on the back. You're like, you yeah. can't really grab anything. You might be able to grab a little bit with a tip. But, <laughs> grab a little tip. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm gonna throw them with but this. the back patch. I feel like it can actually, like you said, is more slippery. But there's more material. Mm-hmm. It's easier to scrunch up the material to grab like a good fistful. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe. just I, what I think. So leave us in the comments what you guys think about fighting with the backpack, John. Is it easy to grab for you? Is it harder to grab for you? We clearly don't have that much experience in it, if you can't tell. So for those people <laughs> who fight internationally all the time. A lot like of backpatches. Yeah, a lot of backpatch <laughs> experience. Let us know okay. what you prefer, actually. But all right. So but it, thank you wait, for isn't, the isn't, yeah. isn't that why they the new IGF rule says you can't get like the, the patches Great. anymore or... or, or the flags can't have to be embroidered or something like that. Yeah. So the rule was that you're, if you get the flag put on you or like any of your symbols, I guess it has to be like a patch and then it's sewn on. It can't be sewn into the gi. Okay. That was the rule huh. that I, so maybe it is, the coaches meeting. Yeah. Maybe it is a, yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Next question. Uh, you want to go with uh, the Reddit with the one I got from Reddit? Yeah, let's go with so this is a uh, judo Matt from Reddit. Um, happy anniversary. I'm a listener and not a viewer and generally think judo does not need more technique demonstration videos. Like mm-hmm. go back to our episode. So he kind of agrees with us. If you have something specific you want to say about technique that could, that could warrant making a video about it. But generally there are plenty of technique demonstration videos around. Yep. And then here's the question, right? To grow judo in the U S there seems to be a general consensus that we need more instructors. 
how do we develop a culture where students are encouraged to graduate and start their own clubs as instructors? How do we turn perpetual brown belts into black belts? Ooh. I feel like this is a, uh, we'll try to keep it short and maybe we'll come back to it next time in a, <laughs> in a large episode. And we kind of did talk about it many episodes ago. Right. I think, mm -hmm. I think it might've been the one where we talked about how to market judo in the U S and there was that, this kind of reminds me of that one time where we um, went to the coaches clinic and there's that guy that was complaining, basically complaining about the quality of black belts we have nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, he was basically saying, well, I know we got to grow judo, but there's black belts and then there's black belts. Like, <laughs> you remember when we were talking about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you're right. Most people agree that there should be more instructors, but they're also kind of hypocritical because they refuse to lower the standards for being instructors. Like they keep it so astronomically high in my, in what I think. Um, and obviously I personally think we shouldn't go the other end. Whereas like BJJ, where you have blue belts opening their own clubs, <laughs> open up academies. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I don't think it should be that, but like I said, like you said, I think Brown belts, like maybe Sankyu or Niku is a good, um, a good middle ground. But in order to do that, the national federations have to come up with a curriculum for the belt to, for them to follow, right? Because mm -hmm. we know some brown belts, like they know enough judo to be dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah. They know enough to be dangerous. So you don't want them just going out there and teaching what they think, what they they, whatever they want, what, whatever they want, right? Yeah, they don't have no supervision or nothing. Yeah, you have to, you have to have a guideline. Teaching flying arm bars yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you, I know who you're talking about. So <laughs> uh, you, you have to have a curriculum. And at, for, back in the day when we were talking about the American Judo Development Model, the AJDM, mm -hmm. we thought that that would be the thing. But it yeah. ended up coming out, obviously not, that's not the thing. And haven't heard about it from, for now, from like yeah. for a long time. So you have to have a sanction, um, a basically kind of like a coach's clinic uh, course to uh, tell people how to teach, but we all know how it goes. Like no, the national federation don't want to lower the, the, the standards for instructors. Mm -hmm. And also um, they don't want to take the liability for it. Right. That's one, that's another reason. Like if, like I said, you, you can't be there um, telling them what to do. Right. So if someone gets hurt or something, they have to, they're going to take kind of take the fault for it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of risk aversion there. And um, what else was I going to say? Uh, yeah. There's just a lot of, a lot of roadblocks, right? We need a curriculum. We need somehow some way to also help them. That's another thing. How do you help these people start a dojo? Um, we had a discussion last time we saw um, Philippe and I saw someone that he hasn't seen in a long time at the, the Tai Chi judo tournament. Mm -hmm. And Philippe was telling me, Oh yeah, that guy, he tried to start his own club and he told his instructor, I want to start my own club. And this is a guy that's like a black belt, not, not a brown belt. Yeah. And he flipped and he like went up and, and flipped out. The guy flipped out to the fact that he wants to open the club, not even like down the street. We're not going down the street, like, like 10, 20 miles away from him. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so there's also this, this kind of thing happening, right? Like, how dare you come and take my lunch? Basically. <laughs> like, come no, I totally get it. I understand. I, I get all this stuff to me. There's certain, there's certain things. So 
I would love to grow judo more. The problem with judo sometimes is that like we live in Los Angeles. Again, we live in LA very big. It may not seem like judo has, there's a bunch of judo dojos here in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. just here enough in where kind of like where I live, live at in Koreatown, you have us and you have LA judo. Okay. You go to downtown right now, you got Sawtell, not Sawtell, you have Tenry. I know one of the other temples out there has like a kid's class. And now mm -hmm. the LA Budokan is opening up. They want to open up their own judo club, I believe also. So you're going to have like mm -hmm. three clubs right there in Koreatown. I mean, I mean, out there in little Tokyo. But all three clubs have very different cultures and ways of teaching. Yeah. So here's, yeah. here's my thing. I mean, and then you get to other places like where my cousin lives. Like when I go visit my cousins, they live in kind of a smaller area. Uh, they live out in, I was going to name it. The people probably don't know what it is, but they live in uh, Delano near Bakersfield. Yep. That small town, I think as a Taekwondo dojo, like one Taekwondo dojo, one Taekwondo dojo, and they have a BJJ club. I, I know they have a BJJ club. I'm not sure if it's like an MMA club or like a mm -hmm. boxing BJJ club and stuff, but I've looked it up before when I've gone out there to visit my family for things. So I'm going to be out for a couple of days. I like training judo. Is there any judo clubs out here? There's none in that small town. Yep. The closest judo club in that area, I think was one in Bakersfield. I believe there was one in Bakersfield and it was like a once a week yeah. judo class. Yep. So I think it's just more about us getting judo in smaller areas. That's one of my things. And I get the whole thing that, you know, why well, you have to be a certified brown belt or minimum mm -hmm. black belt. And this brings into a thing that I think it was Jimmy Pedro that said in an interview that I saw his a long time ago. And it was back when they were first starting the American judo system. So many people, when you start doing judo for some reason, think I have to learn from someone on the national team. I have yep. to learn from Olympia. Yep. I have to learn from somebody that was at this level because they believe that if you're just a plain black belt, you don't know yep. anything. And I, I think it was either Jimmy, I believe it was Jimmy Pedro. If I have it wrong, it, it is, it is. Yeah, it is Jimmy and that, Travis. They said that. Yeah, yeah. It was a thing that, um, when you think about it, when you're a kid that you're an American kid, and you first learn baseball or basketball or any of those normal sports or team sports that most people do when they're younger, you learn from like your dad's friend or the community center guy, mm -hmm. you know? And then if you get good, okay, then you go to like maybe a good uh, college, a college coach or a good high school coach. And then from there, then you move on to a higher level. So many people think that, oh, he opened, like there was a, a member of our dojo found out a guy that trained with us. That was, um, I think it was like a purple belt or brown belt in BGJ. It was a long time ago before you're at the dojo actually was going to open up a dojo just open up a BJJ Academy. And he was like, how's he going to open up an Academy? He doesn't, he doesn't have no national title to him. He was on Pan Am champion. And it's That's like, the thing you don't BJ, have to, BJJ yeah, you, understands that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be a Pan Am champion to be a good instructor, to teach the basics and teach the, the root of BJJ. So why is it when people come to judo, they think, Oh, I have to learn from a national level guy. I have to learn from a guy that's been a, a U.S. champion or international champion or Olympian or something, you know? So I think it's also a mindset that you have to open up your mind to, to people's minds of learning from just a black belt, you know, yeah, not I'm, everybody's going to be a national level player, you know, especially we're not going to get national level players opening up dojos in smaller, in smaller places, you know? Yeah. Also like, oh man, trying to try not make it obvious who I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> okay, the, you'll have some national players. I won't say from which mm -hmm. country that, been doing judo since they were a kid from yeah. other countries right and they like go on the national team and now you come here and tell them to teach adults recreational adults judo 
Mm-hmm. They're going to teach you how they learned it when they were a kid. And it's like some of them are crazy, right? The, the training <laughs> regimen. So you can't do that. You can't teach it that same way to recreational adults. And mm-hmm. some people might be flexible enough to adjust their curriculum and teaching methodologies to match like your recreational adult that's not trying to go compete or whatever. But a lot of times it's like, this is how I did it when I was a kid. You've got to do this way or get out of here. Like, yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I don't a, want to train national level status yeah. as a white belt. Okay. Maybe yeah. Once I get used to this and I'm a citrus color or a brown belt, then I'll be like, want to train that international style. But right now I'm yep. a white belt. I'm just getting started. And I've seen that happen before. Cause we had a guy at our dojo. I'm going to say his name. Great player. Clovis Olympic level player went to the Olympics for a quote, ivory. And when he would come train with us and he would coach, oh my God, those days suck. Cause he'd be like the hardest days ever. And there was one time we had this dad there that, was te- that his daughter just joined judo. He was a BJJ guy. And for some reason, didn't want to get thrown by Clovis. Clovis came in so hard the way he came in, it was all or nothing throws. So he came in so hard. He ripped the guy's BJJ, oh ripped his gi and still <laughs> threw him. And I'm not sure. i like, oh my God. To be fair, oh, the, the gi most the gi most likely ripped because the guy bleached his gi. Let's just let's just leave it out there. But no, same no, thing no, with it my. Like, it was a brand new gi. I saw it come out the bag. <laughs> with my old club, that like there was a national team member for uh, Germany that was the sensei there. Um, mm. Not Germany, Romania. Um, maybe he went for Germany too. I don't remember, but I used to like throw up during his warmups, and a couple other people too. And uh, it ended up being because sometimes he's out of town for work. When he's out of town for work, the classes numbers are huge. But when he's in town, this class is really small. And there were a few occasions where I came in early enough that I noticed people come in and peek and see if he's there. And uh-huh. if they see him, they would leave. <laughs> so, so you That's would, hilarious. yeah. So it's like if you tra- teach people like that, like yeah, the instruction is good, but then you're starting to alienate a lot of people, and that's why you're not seeing a lot of uh, growth in adults in judo, and then that's where you get the whole judo is hard, yeah, too hard for my body kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing. So yeah, that's why I kind of like what we're doing right now at our dojo. We have these beginner classes that are warming people up to get to the advanced classes because mm-hmm. we get to our beginner class, we teach them kind of light get them used to it, dip their toes in it, you know, not throwing them really hard. Yeah. But, and then we build them up to get to the advance and they're doing pretty well right now. Yeah. They're having a pretty good reti- uh, retention rate right now. Just a lot of people are staying. So yep. I'm happy with so, that. So to go back to the question about how do we turn, question. Yeah, how do we turn perpetual brown belts into black belts? I think you have to start prepping them before they're brown belts. Mm-hmm. It's a key thing. And I like to use this comparison a lot. It's just like homelessness, like, there's no one solution. We need to do this. And that's actually the, this line of thinking is actually why nothing's really being done because nobody mm-hmm. could agree on the approach to solve this problem instead of just admitting that you have to tackle the problem from multiple angles and dump a lot of resources into it. Yeah. So someone would be like, okay, the problem is we don't have enough competitions. So I don't care about what the hell you want to do. I'm just going to host more competitions. Mm-hmm. And someone else would be like, no, the problem is we're not letting brown belts become instructors. I'm going to focus on pushing this when all of them should be working together to make it easier instead of getting in each other's way. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just because you don't agree on the one solution, sometimes they argue and things don't get done. Yeah. So it has to be that you have to also help the brown belts uh, teach them how to run a club. And let's be honest, we don't need, even though it works that we don't need like four judo clubs in like 
LA in the same like five minute um, walking distance. Yeah. So you have to like, as a national governing body, you also, you can't tell someone to move. Like if you have a brown belt, just like, like the black belt that I talked about, um, he's not going to move his whole family to open the club. You know, maybe he would, but most people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So if he has to move far enough away from his original sensei to open a club, that's telling him to like uproot his whole life and tell his kids to make new friends and all that stuff. So you, it might be good to just like, develop judo programs in places that are uh kind of like has larger population so it has a demand for it but nobody teaches their judo there like for example albuquerque is a place that i've looked up and plenty of people ask like is there a judo club in albuquerque there's no judo club there's just like four bjj clubs so maybe maybe you send someone out there once every month or once every three months teach the bjj people or teach someone out there who's interested in getting a judo brown belt and opening a club teach spend the time teach them this or maybe teach three or four people because let's be honest not picking one person that person might not make it or just quit Mm -hmm. so like send someone out there once in a while to train these people and have to open up a club and then keep supervising them and over time you start letting the leash looser and stop going there to keep track of them as much and then send someone there once a year to look at how they run the classes or have them send uh, videotapes of you running the classes and mm. review it and criticize them and tell them, Hey, you're not sticking to the, the curriculum we told you and have them send reports to the national governing body saying, all right, this week we taught this, this isn't this. I'm, this is, I test these people for yellow belt. Like these are just all ideas of yeah. how, well, well yeah. it'd be the same way as like how, Again, like when my cousin lives in small town and stuff, if I went to that BGJ place and was, could tell them, okay, well, I see you guys got BGJ here. I know most BGJ places want to learn a little bit of judo, do throws. What if I come in once a month and do a clinic here, you know, yeah. and maybe get someone that's like, oh, yo, I really enjoy this judo stuff. And I, then they, I just cultivate, like I said, cultivate that person to develop them into more judo, better judo player. And if you, in about three years or so, three, four years, there'll be a decent brown belt. And then I could trust them to teach, but the things that it's going to take time. Yep. And that's one thing people, they want the satisfaction of now. They want a black belt now to be teaching there. They want stuff happen now. Things take time. You know, that's the whole thing about judo. Judo is a marathon, not a sprint. And a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Opening clubs is hard. Like it's, it's, like it's running a business essentially. Mm-hmm. So not everyone wants to do it. And this is what Jimmy Pedro is basically trying to do with his uh, American judo system is he wants to promote it through the BJJ infrastructure we have here. Mm-hmm. which is controversial in itself. Right. Um, some people think judo should not be mixed in, but that's, again, I don't agree with that approach, but I think it could work. Um, and I'm not going to go ahead and be like, Jimmy Pedro shouldn't be doing this. Cause what, what harm does it do from him mm-hmm. trying to do this? And if it works, then it's every, great. all, it's it's great. all of us, all of us get to, uh, get to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, uh, there's, I guess no one good answer to this question. It's just, we all need to do something better than rather than nothing to sit here and complain basically. Yes. Yeah. It's about doing something, not just standing there in the corner and yelling. Yeah. And if you have, you have an idea, bring it up, even though other people might not listen to you, you want to plant that seed in their mind. Right. And then in the future, you can be like, I told you so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's very judo of you right there. Yeah. It's very humble. <laughs> 
All right. So that's our thoughts on that. It's just like I said, there's no one. There's no going to be one great answer. We're all going to have to work on this together to grow judo. And if you're really interested in doing judo or you are a black belt, why? I'm not going to say like move to like some small remote town or something. Hey, some people have done that. Like uh, I've done that. But a- I'm like a- thinking, Ajax. I will. I want to bring Ajax on the show. I maybe I'll message him. He if did Ajax, that. if you listen yeah. to the, our podcast, please get in contact with. I'd love to talk about how you have built your own dojo from nothing after you retired. I think it's a great story out there, right? And I want to hear it. <laughs> think you'll like that? Man, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, right. I consider doing. I'm actually considering doing that when I retire from work. Maybe I will. Anthony also wants to open up a judo club on the beach. That's one of his goals. That's one of my, if I, if I'm rich, that's what I would do. (laughs) Otherwise the more realistic option, judo, the more realistic option is a coffee shop and a ramen shop right next to the dojo. (laughs) That's what I would do on the roof. You put the, you put the dojo mat, you put the judo mat on the roof. Just people flying in the air on the roof. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be hard to get insurance to cover my business that way. (laughs) Die insurance. You don't need insurance. You got USJ, USGF insurance. <laughs> All right. All right. So what was the next question about? Oh yeah. My, yeah, yeah. my thing was that if you really want to try this out, maybe look around your area, like what, what a decent drive is for you. If you are a uh, brown belt or black belt, maybe and see like, what's a decent drive for you. Like, okay, well, there's no dojo within this 40 mile radius or like 45 minute drive radius. There's no dojo here. Mm-hmm. Maybe looking at a dojo that way or something, you know, just yeah. ideas to build judo, make it more popular here in the U S and worldwide. All right. So next question. Yep. So this is from Instagram. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Juan reads all the Instagram messages and I read all the email messages. Uh, so the Instagram messages, Hey, to Tommy talk. I have a question that I think others out there might have, or I'm just overthinking two sports due to not having trained one before wrestling. When it comes to cross training, either BJJ or wrestling, freestyle wrestling, which one has a philosophy that best matches judos of quickness, pressure, intensity? I guess I'll get to my thoughts on that in a second. I know BJJ is maybe more technically close to judo, but I always see wrestlers having mindset that differs from BJJ's slower pace mentality. Again, I, I don't totally agree with that, but... So if I wanted to use judo as my base and gain lost moves like light grabs, should I train in wrestling or BJJ? A BJJ school with solid wrestling would be the best option or of I could, if, if I think that's a typo here, if I could find one, what are your thoughts or ideas as I'm open to other sports also? So you right. want to take a stab at it, even though uh, so I already s- I, said this on. Well, we both have different ideas about this stuff because I know Anthony, like his cross training is that he does BJJ, you know? Yep. And if you're asking me what's ph- for philosophy wise, when you talk about the sport aspect of judo, we're an action-based sport. You know, we have three to five minutes, depending on what time limit you have and what tournament you go to, to do our matches. Okay. We don't have a lot of time. We're about, getting someone down fast, working hard in our time. To me, I like wrestling. And I might be because I grew up wrestling also. And I find it it was a lot easier for me to go from wrestling to judo other than from wrestling to BJJ. The real, one of the reasons why I left BJJ is because it was too slow for me. I don't like plotting, methodical, like, oh, wanted to have time, patience. I do. It's just I wanted to work for stuff. And when I saw judo and how fast paced it was, I liked that more. I like that. I'm more. No, I like it more. So for me, 
if you want to learn the leg wrapping stuff, if your sensei, your instructor doesn't know them that well, or does not teaching it to you, I think going to wrestling will teach you the best leg technique, the grab, the like Morotogari and stuff, double leg, single leg, high C, which is the best direct way. And that's what I like about wrestling. And people might, again, get mad when I say this, but wrestling is like, it's like five moves, okay? Double leg, single leg, pin, you know, it's, it's, it's simple. There's not 10,000 moves you have to know. Where in my experience, when I go to BGJ classes, I do open mats and stuff like that. When they start standing, they don't have the best takedowns or they just automatically, even though you start standing, like, okay, all right, standing. All right, fight. Guys immediately pull guard or immediately start butt scooting. If you really want to learn takedowns, doing judo and wrestling work the best, freestyle or folk style. What I would say to do, though, if you can find a good reputable uh, school is catch wrestling because catch wrestling has majority of all its same takedowns that freestyle and folk style have plus unorthodox submissions that we don't use that much in judo or bjj you know a lot of cool leg locks leg takedowns neck cranks foot cranks um calf slicers um uh what's the bicep slicers stuff they do to anthony all the time and i'm playing around with them actually (laughs) (laughs) but to me I like the idea of getting a good wrestling school, but the problem is that to go to a good wrestling school, even you go to like a good MMA school, they're going to teach you wrestling for MMA, which is different than freestyle and folk style wrestling. Because a lot of these MMA schools teach you double legs to get to the fence. And then from the fence, scoop them right here, use the fence, to take them down. We're in traditional wrestling where you, whether you learn in high school, college, middle school, elementary, wherever you start at and stuff, we don't have a fence to go to. We have a circle, all right? I have to get in deep inside you, scoop you up and take you down. So that's for me, I like wrestling. And my my thing would be to try to find a good catch wrestling school or a good wrestling school. And I know people are going to be like, oh, well, I'm just hating on BJJ again. I'm not hating on BJJ. It's just, it's mostly Nawaza. They don't have good takedowns. And that's what you want to help out your thing, supplement you with, with takedowns. You want to learn double legs, single legs, high C's, ankle picks, uh, good fireman's carry and stuff. Go to wrestling, freestyle, folk style, or catch. Now people might say, why is Juan not talking about Greco? Greco is just upper body throws. I'm not a used to, I'm not allowed to foot sweep. I'm not really allowed to use my legs to throw somebody in Greco. It's all upper body. Okay. So that's why some people so say like, oh, he knew Greco. Why didn't he just take him down to double leg? They don't do double legs in Greco. All right. I come in for a body lock and try to suplex you. All right. Either an over the top, belly to belly, belly to side, belly to top, get a waist lock on you, suck you up, toss you in the air and stuff like that. Okay. That's Greco. Beautiful throws. I know I people used always to, there. Yeah. I, I used to have train with a guy who was on an Israeli Greco team, mm. national team. Yeah. And with the gi, I can shut him down pretty easily because he can't get in for the throws. Yeah. Um, but his grips, man, like his grips were <laughs> the strongest grips I've ever experienced. I would be leaving with bru- bruises of his fingers, like, like mm-hmm. in a circle. It's like I have a, a, a bracelet on. <laughs> he gets home saying, who did this to you? What happened? Tell me. <laughs> I mean, I've trained with freestyle wrestlers too. And it's just the grips are on a different level with Greco. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like, yeah. So Anthony, why do you, you prefer BJJ as your supplement so instead? Let, let me go back a bit to what you were saying. Like, like you mm-hmm. said, if you go to an MMA place, yes, they teach you wrestling, like you said, but most places will only teach you enough to be for the sport. Like, let's be honest. MMA is 
kind of is its own style now. Like in yeah. the early days of MMA, it was more about like, okay, uh, BJJ versus Muay Thai, Muay Thai versus karate or whatever. But now everyone has, you either focus more on grappling or more on striking. And if you're striking. more on striking, it's boxing and Muay Thai enough again enough to be dangerous but not you're not going to find um certain muay thai specialized elbows happening for example or we don't see a lot of uh muay thai clinching happening so in a sense you're not i wouldn't say they're a muay thai fighter i wouldn't go there to learn muay thai i wouldn't go to mma gym to learn muay thai because clinching is a really important part of muay thai and i think it's super underutilized in mma but again most places don't don't train it that much same thing with uh, where we're talking about grappling, wrestling. You already mentioned they don't teach you the whole thing. It's just double, single, how to get to the fence, how to escape the, the situation around uh, against the fence. Mm-hmm. Same thing with BJJ. I think you're not going to learn the full thing at most places unless they have a dedicated BJJ class at the MMA gym. Um, most places would just teach you how enough to survive on the ground especially since the round timer can save you. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I think of that. But, um, to answer the question on, um, my answer to the question is first thing you want to think about is accessibility. It's, it doesn't matter if we tell you, if I told you like Wing Chun's like the best, uh, mm-hmm. martial arts cross train with judo, it doesn't matter if that's actually true. If you don't have a Wing Chun place near you or a good Wing Chun place near you. So, in this case, wrestling is hard. It's not very accessible to adults. Good yeah. wrestling schools are not very accessible to adults. Even catch wrestling, that's even more rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I move on with that, um, so this, read, uh, this listener said, um, which one has a philosophy that best matches judo of quickness, pressure, and intensity? My issue with that is the word pressure. Like, Pressure means different things to different people, right? Um, to me, like, I think most people, when they say pressure, they mean physical pressure, like just like pushing, dragging them down, feeling the weight of someone. And it could also be that, or it could be constantly attacking, just like not doing counter judo, not waiting for an explosive entrance um, that comes uh, out of nowhere. Um, or it could just mean, um, how do you say it? When, you, when, when I went to Japan, I fought against some of the, the higher ranked Japanese people in, in the, at the Kodokan. Mm-hmm. The moment they grab onto your gi, you feel that pressure. You're like, oh crap. Like there's like a wall, invisible wall there. Like, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Like you feel like a throw is going to come at any time and there's nothing you can do about it. Versus when I fought a Chilean guy that was on a Chilean national team, it was just like stiff, like, that kind of pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends a lot on what you mean by pressure. If you're talking about physical pressure, again, I agree with Juan wrestling, nothing beats that, that that amount of physical pressure is just always pressuring. If you go watch wrestling matches, you see that all the time. And um, if you don't have wrestling available, then no gi BJJ, you'll see that kind of pressure too like go look at uh adcc trials right no gi wrestling you uh no gi uh grappling 
you'll, you'll see a lot of that pressure that you might be looking for. Um, again, not every BJJ club has a good no-gi program. No-gi is becoming more popular. But also the no-gi uh, game, we were just talking about this yesterday, no-gi game is revolving more and more around leg locks now. Mm-hmm. So you have to, first of all, look at the accessibility of what you're looking for. And then even though it's accessible, is, is the club good? Like that's what you have to look for, right? If you only have one BJJ club, but it's taught by a blue belt, then you know. Like, <laughs> oh, Anthony's hitting yeah. on blue belts. Get that heat on us now. Now we're hitting on so, blue belts. Apparently, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, right? And a number yeah, two yeah, yeah. thing is to discover what kind of grappler you want to be. Like one of the things that I tell beginners at judo is like, what is your goal? Like, what kind of judoka you want to be? Are you here just to get a workout? Are you trying to become national champion? Are you like figure out a goal. And then after you figure out the goal, it's like, what kind of judo do I want to play? Do I want to be like pressure based? Like how one, you're very pressure based. Um, do you want to be like fast and nimble or like what kind of throws do you want to uh, favor? Do you want to drop to your knees all the time? Like, no, you don't, yeah. you don't want to drop to your knees yeah. all the time. So is that hell on your knees when you get older? Is that stuff when you yeah. get older? <laughs> figure out what kind of, what kind of grappler you want to be. Right. Right. And then from mm-hmm. there on, you can pick a, a, complementary art that complements you and mm-hmm. back to your question why did i pick bjj is because bjj is accessible that's number one i have tons mm-hmm. of bjj around me and um for those who don't know i live in the south bay area in la and this is like the birth of bjj in america like the gracies when they first moved here they lived in this area and tied out a garage um and uh, i have a bunch of famous people down here and i teach so Number one, accessibility. So it fits my my really tight schedule. Um, and then the quality's there. And also my ground game is weak. I mentioned it. My Nawaz is terrible, which is why I'm still a freaking four, three year, four, coming up four year, three striped white belt. Yeah. Partially be because of, of my attendance. Be proud of that three stripes. Partially because of my attendance. But I realize I'm not a complete grappler unless I make my ground game stronger. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go do BJJ because of that. Um, I mean, I don't want to say BJJ is basically just judo, but if you look back far enough, they look pretty damn close. Right. So I, to me, BJJ and judo is the same, same two sides of the same coin. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to do that and not just have to um, basically do IJF judo where I just turtle up and wait for the ref to save me. <laughs> so I don't, that's cause that's the grappler I want to be. I don't want to be a good IJF judo player. I want to be a complete judoka. So mm-hmm. I don't think wrestling is going to help me with that personally. Right. Cause I, I have, I, I'm not really strong, explosive, uh, attribute based grappler. So, and I, I just see that declining as I get older. So I want to <laughs> focus more on, on the ground game, which is mm-hmm. one week weekend. And I think that ages really well, the, the BJJ ground game, ages really well, which is why you find a lot of old people doing BJJ. Um, with that said though, going back a step, what I said about how you only learn the stuff that's applicable. We would talk about how BJJ now sport BJJ has like worm guard. There's like inversions and all that oh, stuff. Oh, your, your favorite new thing. Now you're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it some other time, but all there's right. all this sport based stuff specific, specific to BJJ that I would never, ever be able to do in judo. And I find it, useless in a street fight or a self-defense situation, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I personally wouldn't grab train or gravitate towards those moves. When I 
do BJJ, which is probably another reason why I'm like really bad at it is because I focus on the old school mm-hmm. classic. I'm trying to do like pressure-based passing and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that's utilizing my size because my height and not relying on like wrapping the key around someone's leg, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 All the sports stuff. That's all the sports specific stuff. Kind of stuff that that's also kind of some of the stuff that turned me off from BJJ. Why not why I fully left BJJ and why I joined judo instead. It's just like, that was part of it. Not all of it, but yeah, there's too much starting to be too much sports. And it's like, it all goes back to when I talk, tell people about BJ. It's like, well, I can't pull guard in a street fight. Cause my home, cause the guy I'm fighting right here is homie might come on this side and kick my head in. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's or it might stop me. Yeah, that's one of my things. So, but yep. yeah, I like your thing talking about accessibility because that is true. Like it is very hard to find a good once you're grown up, <laughs> once you're grown up and you don't go to college if you're not lucky enough, or you decide not to, and you're already an adult and you want to learn how to wrestle, it's tough to learn how to wrestle because when I was younger, dudes from the neighborhood would just come to the wrestling club and wrestle with us. Like yep. now thinking that I'm older, I'm like, this is just weird. Just guys would come like, Hey, I want to wrestle with the kids here. Like hey, get the F out of here. Now, now I'm an adult, this seems weird, but you'd have guys that come and want to learn how to wrestle would come to the high school. Now you can't do that no more. So if you want to learn how to really wrestle as an adult, you would either have to find a, a junior college or a college near you that has a decent wrestling program and you will teach you or if you go to a, if you're near a really good high, uh, good college that will let teach, let you come practice with them, but they're not going to teach you. You're going to be ragdolled by some yeah. people. Most likely you're just going to be cannon. Yeah, you, I think that was what I was going to say next is go to your local college, community college. You don't want to go to like Penn state, you know, and, and ask <laughs> I'm going to walk on Penn state. Yeah. yeah can you teach yeah. you how to wrestle? Yeah. yeah, yeah but, girl, but if you have you like, <laughs> like you go to some smaller community college that has this small wrestling club, maybe like then that would be a good start. I think. Um, yeah. Cause my, always, my, yeah, I, my old school has a wrestling club. So mm-hmm. that, that would, that would be a good start. Yeah. Cause that's what I would say. Cause you can't go to high schools no more and just go learn how to wrestle. They don't do that no more. All yeah. right. <laughs> uh, with all, COVID happening and a lot of dirty ass adults and stuff. Yeah. That, that ain't allowed no more. Right. You'd also be surprised how many places actually hire dedicated uh, wrestling coaches to teach wrestling. Like um, I don't know if this is still around, but during um, was what is uh, Shintaro and Gary St. Ledger's place in New York Midtown called uh, Kano 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 Martial Arts, the new mm-hmm. club they opened right before the uh, in New York City, Manhattan, right before COVID. Um, they have, a, as far as I remember, they have a dedicated wrestling coach there. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think uh, Keenan down in uh, uh, San Diego has a dedicated wrestling coach too. Like I think Justin Flores is a, he's a judoka, but he's a wrestler too. Yeah. So if you can find places like that, that teach dedicated wrestling, you, you might not know about it. Like I'm sure what the stuff I mentioned, most people, maybe half the people don't, don't know about it. So yeah. check that and if, out. And look for wrestling, not just wrestling for MMA and stuff. Yeah. If they're teaching you takedowns from a fence, that's not real wrestling, but like look for wrestling for wrestling. And it, even if you're interested in watching wrestling, something you might go to is go to USA wrestling website and look for freestyle or folk style tournaments near you, a folk style mm-hmm. tournaments or Greco style or freestyle. Yeah. All of them on there. I think they're all on there. Hope they are. Yeah. That sounds stupid. Go on there and just like, go look, watch the matches. And maybe if you see someone that you like the way they fight or something, be like, Hey, where do you guys train at? What, where do you guys train at high school? Do you guys train at college? You have a club somewhere and talk to somebody. Cause I know it can be hard to find wrestling places as an adult. It's really hard to find real wrestling. 
And then when it goes to catch wrestling, it's even going to be harder. I was lucky that in Los Angeles, we have two really good co- uh, wrestling coaches out here. We have um, Josh Barnett's uh, coach isn't that far away from us. I don't train. I was going to go train there for a little while, but I found a guy closer mm-hmm. to me. I found another real good guy with uh, catch wrestling Alliance and that's here in Los Angeles. But even him, he teaches at UCLA catch wrestling and he teaches at um, fight science. I think that's the name of the gym yeah. that he teaches out of yep. fight science. Not to confuse the fight sports of the recent controversy. I used to, I used to uh, confuse the two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Fight science. It's in a mid city, mid city LA. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So the second part of the question was about, well, to recap a bit first, find the style you want to be doing the style of judo. Since you want it to be your main, main martial arts style of judo grappler, you want to be, then try out the different martial arts that's accessible to you and find the one that matches. I mean, in the end, the, you also have to like the place you're going to too. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and then at the end it says, so I, if I wanted to use judo as my base and gain loss moves, like light grabs, I, I don't think light grabs are lost yet. Let's like, I feel like that's a exaggeration. It, it, it depends <laughs> on your instructor and who teaches you. It really yeah. does. In my opinion. Because if you come to Hollywood, I'll teach you leg grabs all the time, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't think leg grabs are lost yet. They're they're on the way of being lost, but I don't they're think a they're dying lost. Breed. Yet. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know what you mean by that because I don't think you should find a place solely based off of leg grabs because you be. I think a lot of people put leg grabs up in this high pedestal, and then they when they realize that you like I train at a place that allows leg grabs, right? And mm-hmm. um, BJJ and. I rarely get people try leg grabs on me all the time because I'm tall and I rarely get taken down. If I do get taken down, it's by another wrestler usually yeah. <laughs> and, that knows um, how to do good double leg and yes. good leg grabs. And it's usually because they're I'm going light and they explode in and it's like I wasn't ready for it most of the time. Mm. But I could have sprawled, but you know, BJJ mats is kind of small area tight. So, or most of the time, even if they grab my legs, I just counter them with Uchimato or Sumigaishi. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think people, need to set a more realistic expectation mm-hmm. of what they're going to learn out of a place that allows leg wraps. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be revolving your whole game around leg wraps. Let's put it that way. And uh, the, the more realistic expectation is that you're going to learn how to defend against leg wraps when they come and peop- there's always the threat of it happening. So you keep that in the back of your mind and it will affect your judo a bit. Um, but look up a place that has freestyle rest, uh, freestyle judo. That's one place, one judo place that places that allow like grabs or talk to your training partners. Like me and Juan sometimes grab each other's legs. Right. So and he tries. He doesn't yeah, work I try. It doesn't work. But um, <laughs> yeah, so just there's there's ways around it. But if I wouldn't if I were to find a martial arts place like a club, I wouldn't revolve it around leg grabs. But if leg grabs are that important to you, I think Sambo is a good, uh, mm. a very good um yeah. Again, that's also another heart. I think it's probably easier to find than wrestling, but um, yeah, Sambo is another really good choice uh, if you have that around. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't prioritize leg grab. Um, that's leg grabs is something you can totally ask if your sensei is old enough. Just ask him to teach you because nobody asks them. But ask your sensei to teach you leg grabs, and they will most of the time. So if not, go travel to some place and visit and learn it over a weekend and then practice it back at home. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that answers the question. 
but basically <laughs> or, or added more questions. Yeah. Basically wrestling would be the best for what he, you told us, but um, it's not very accessible. So, and then BJJ would with the wrestling, uh, no key BJJ in my opinion would be the next closest thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Was that the entire part of the question or was there yeah. another part? Okay. Yeah. All right. I hope we answered it. We, we gave our thoughts on it, our opinions. So let us know what you guys think about it. What do you guys cross train in? Do you guys cross train in wrestling, catch wrestling, BJJ? Do you do Sambo? Do you do, um, what's that Chinese version of judo Sambo? Oh, Shui Zhao. Yeah. Maybe you do Shui yeah. Zhao. You know, maybe you do Sandow or something, you know? New York you know, City has, here? yeah, New York City has good Sambo and uh, Shui Zhao programs. So if you live there, then that's a good place to go to. Yeah. Maybe you do sumo. Anthony was thinking about getting into sumo for a little while. I want to try sumo out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's some great questions people sent to us. Some very interesting stuff we decided to that went on long today. That went on longer than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> that went pretty long. Yeah. So do you want to go to the joke about going light or do you want to cut let's, it? Let's down? talk about let's talk about it next time. Yeah. Talk about it next time? Yeah. This is All this right. is pretty long. Otherwise, it's gonna be like a two-hour episode. So two hour episode. Okay. So we'll talk about the joke about going light maybe next episode hopefully if we don't have a, something else that comes up but um if someone says let's go light please go light with them don't use that as a, as an excuse to go oh yeah i tricked them now i'm gonna go hard on them so our next episode i guess we'll talk about going light and maybe some unwritten rules of judo or just grappling period etiquette. that some people just etiquette right. yeah etiquette ethics you know maybe some yeah. judo ethics grappling ethics <laughs> don't touch gloves and hit somebody okay don't do that <laughs> all right so is there anything else you want to talk about anthony or is that it uh no i guess just watch out I, well i think it's a little early but we have a twitch live stream coming up with uh um our tournament our in-house tournament mm-hmm. again so just watch out for that i think it's may 15th no that's our anniversary that's our um club our club's anniversary yeah it's gonna be uh, may 1st it's a sunday may 1st it's gonna yeah. be in like two weeks i believe yeah two, two weeks, weeks from now. yep yeah two weeks from now it'll be may 1st to be on our twitch channel again and yeah please watch it let us know how you guys like it and we're thinking about also doing that um it's going to be either a watch along or we're going to just do some review videos we're going to just get some matches that we like to watch just some matches by happen at the uh, japan open or maybe some other matches and we're just going to talk about them watch the match talk about what's happening give us some talk about our insight from when we've seen the matches. So it either is going to be a watch along on Twitch. And maybe after that, if we do it on Twitch, we're definitely posted on uh, YouTube, YouTube later yeah. afterwards. I realized or, Twitch deletes yeah. your, your videos after certain days, unless you specifically tell it to archive it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, know good thing I, I didn't know that. <laughs> ah, this guy here, he's supposed to be a technical one too. <laughs> All right. And we're going to have some more videos come out. Like I know we did a um, long, long time ago, we did a duffel bag video about like what's in our bag. So we're going to do a new one of that one. And it's actually be a video we're going to put up and maybe since it's warmer, we're here in Los Angeles or California, it's summertime now do a video on lightweight keys or single weave keys also. Yep. So look out for that as well. We already All did right. kind of did a video on it, but um, I guess someone a long time ago, I think it was Kevin uh, requested it again and kind of, want us to go more into detail about it because we just kind of like skip through like this one i like it for this reason this one I like it for this reason so this time i'll probably go go into more detail about the, the geese so all right yep. 
All right. So please like, share, and subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at the Tommy Talk. You can follow us on YouTube at the Tommy Talk. If you have any questions, things you want to review, talk about, like today's whole episode, you send those questions at the Tommy Talk at gmail.com. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at the JR underscore one. You follow Anthony at Anthony Throws on Instagram. All right. Is there anything else? No, nope, that's it. All right. All right. So don't forget to slap the mat. Yeah. He almost forgot that. You see that? <laughs> All right. Later, everybody.